daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy hump day, all you Gamecocks. Wednesday, February 12th, Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Uh, it's Wednesday, so that means football insider episode with Tony Morell and myself will be out this afternoon. Um, lots still going on coaching search-wise. Uh, at the time of this recording, you know, the Gamecocks look like they're deciding uh, who their running backs coach will be next year. Tommy Robinson, uh, who was at LSU this past year, or Des Kitchings uh, from NC State. I've talked about that. You know, I think Kitchings would be the better hire, but obviously, you know, there's pros and cons with both of them uh, at this point. You know, I, I think that whoever gets the job, it, it, the, the hope is that it works out. <laughs> um, but we're going to dig into all that and the coaching scenarios and, uh, you know, the, the news may break uh, between now and the time Tony and I get on, so we'll have a, a good podcast about that later. Um, but, you know, that's the football situation. You know, who knows if Brian McClendon will leave, if they hire a new linebackers coach, you know, some names floating around out there about that, including Rodriguez Wilson of the Kansas City Chiefs, who's an alum who we all remember. I, I remember when he was a quarterback uh, uh, recruit out of Cross, South Carolina. Gamecocks beat Penn State on him. He came in same year as Dondrell Pinkins during the Holtz era. Uh, switched to linebacker defense, ended up playing six years in the NFL on defense. So heck of an athlete, heck of a person. Um, just want my opinion about it. I'd love to see Rodriguez Wilson uh, come back and coach at South Carolina. Uh, I think he's a, he's a guy, the type of guy that's hungry. Uh, he was at Charleston Southern. He knows the state. Uh, he obviously knows recruiting, and he's got a big, flashy Super Bowl ring uh, to go on the recruiting trail with. So I think that's a, that's a plus. That's a, that's a lot of credibility uh, when you're talking about a, a guy like that. But that, that's down the road. Tony and I will get into that later. I want to talk some basketball because, you know, I, I, I don't normally go out on a limb and, and, and make dramatic statements about games or, or portions of games. Anything can happen, and, and the season's not over till it's over. Gamecocks are not out of the NCAA tournament mix until they are. Um, there's darkness before the dawn, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but let's just say these next two games are critical. And, and I think that, you know, for the last couple of years during this period of conference play, that's been the case. Um the team after the Final Four team, we'll just start with them. You know, they, they had a lot of close losses. Uh, games, Texas Tech, Tennessee come to mind. At Ole Miss that year comes to mind. Um, to where you don't lose those and you kind of look at how the record ended up and, you know, Carolina could have, you know, could have easily gone uh, to the tournament that year. Their RPI uh, would have probably been strong enough. Um you know, last year, Gamecocks had little margin for error because of a 5-8 and eight, uh, non-conference mark. And, you know, you hit this time of the year. And, and, and I think up until that loss at home to Alabama, you know, South Carolina was, you know, reasonably in position to perhaps get into the discussion, if that makes sense. Um, you know, that it didn't work out. You know, Gamecocks finished fourth in the league, but 16 and 16, 15 and 16, actually, because you had a, a win, I think, over North Greenville that didn't count. Um, and so that matters. So, so this time of year, it, it's critical any way you look at it. 
Um, but for this team, you know, because they're behind the eight ball, uh, because of those two losses, you know, if they didn't have the two losses, you know, I'd, I'd think, well, they're 16 and seven. You split these two, you're 17 and eight, seven and five. You know, you're going to get to 11 wins, 12 wins in the league, and you're, you're in good shape. The net ranking would probably be in the 30s, 40s right now. Um, but it's not, so there's work to do. And so the game guys have to go to Georgia tonight. Georgia is 13th in the league, uh, all alone in 13th place, two and eight, uh, and they have had just some disastrous luck. And I don't know if I want to call it luck, but they're a team kind of like Ole Miss, uh, and this is another thing that scares me about this game because I think they are better, you know. I think their parts are, are maybe better than the sum of their parts when it comes to winning. Um, and they've had some games where, you know, they've just blown leads, you know, which probably does a lot for their confidence. doesn't do a lot for their confidence. But um, last five games for Georgia, they lost by 10 at home to Ole Miss. They blew a lead at Missouri, lost by three. Really nice win over A&M by 15 at home. Blew a huge lead at Florida. I mean, just a gigantic lead at Florida. It was Florida's biggest comeback in school history, from what I read. The Gators uh, beat them 81-75. And then uh, Saturday was a loss at home to Bama, 105-102 in overtime. You know, I, I think I mentioned on here, I got a call from one of my Georgia buddies. He's like, well, the season's over. And, you know, 2-8, and eight, it's going to be hard to kind of crawl out of that hole uh, if you're Tom Crean and the Georgia Bulldogs. But I, I, I'm i actually surprised that their record isn't better. You know, they they were one of the teams that you kind of looked at heading into this year when you had Edwards and you got some players coming back that, you know, this could be a group that, that makes some noise. You know, I expected them probably to be at least middle of the pack. Um, and I think they're good enough to be. But it just hadn't turned out that way. You know, they got a big road win against Memphis earlier this year and, uh, that kind of caused some some optimism, you know, home against Kentucky earlier. And, and they've been getting great crowds at Stegman Coliseum, and I, I expect them to have a, a pretty good crowd tonight. But it just hasn't turned out well for Georgia, and that's a dangerous deal um, if you're South Carolina because, you know, you've, you've got to go in there and play your best because you're not going to get out of there with a win otherwise. Um, and I think you also got to kind of hope maybe maybe Georgia's kind of, uh, you know, if the Gamecocks can get ahead, you know, because that, that old Miss game, old Miss led from the start. You know, they got out, they got confident, Gamecocks were missing shots, and, you know, that was the end of that. You know, Ole Miss responded with every, you know, every time the Gamecocks would make a little run, Ole Miss would respond. Um, the Gamecocks need to start off kind of like they did at Arkansas, or like they did at Auburn. I know they lost the Auburn game, but, you know, the first 10 minutes of that game, Gamecocks were hanging in there. Auburn was cold. Uh, and, and, you know, I think at that point when you're Georgia, once you get down again, you're kind of like, wow, you know, here we go again. Um, there's a mental aspect of it. Georgia's 10-3 and three at home this season. Uh, two of those losses have come in their last three home games to Bama and Ole Miss. Anthony Edwards, who I talked about, was the number one player in the country. Georgia signed him. 19.7 points per game, stud. Got to make sure he doesn't beat you single-handedly. He's capable of it. Um, and like I said, the one win in the last five uh, has been, you know, that, that win against Texas A&M at home, who the Gamecocks took care of 
you know, for the second time this year, uh, you know, on Saturday. South Carolina's last five, you look at it like this, you know, 90 to 64 over Vandy. Vandy's playing some better ball now. Um, 79 77 at Arkansas. Arkansas, I will say, is not playing better ball now. They got beat 82 to 61 last night by Tennessee. Uh, Missouri at home. Uh, Missouri played LSU pretty tough. Gamecocks beat them by 22. You know, really the only you – know, that Ole Miss game, which is after Manaya got hurt, and Ole Miss last night, 83-58 to 58 over their arch rival Mississippi State. You know, I, I I don't know what was wrong with them first half of the conference season. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ole Miss, what, they're sitting at 4-7 and seven in the league right now tied with Arkansas. I wouldn't be surprised to see them – you know, make a little run here because I, I think they're they're good. I think both Mississippi schools are, are really good. Um, and the record just hasn't shown it uh, when you're talking about the Rebels. Uh, so you know, really, that Ole Miss game is the only only one. Gamecocks are six and two in their last eight games. Only losses were at Ole Miss and then at Auburn. So you know, unfortunately, because of like I said, the the, the losses. Unfortunately, if you're the Gamecocks, you know, you, you don't have much margin for error. Um, and, and I think that, you know, right now South Carolina is not on the bubble. I mean, I don't think I know. They're not on the bubble right now. There, there may be some lists that have them next four out uh, because they are in position, but they have to play their way, in my opinion, you know, this week. is This is the week you make a move toward the bubble, okay? You beat Georgia on the road. You beat Tennessee at home this weekend. And Tennessee, that, that's a, that, Tennessee beating Arkansas like that, you, you may, it kind of hurts the Gamecocks in a way because that Arkansas win, you want it to remain Q1. Uh, and because it's out there, there's chances, chances are it's probably going to remain a Q1 win uh, because it's on the road. But you won't, you, you know, Tennessee coming in, the, the higher they are, you know, the, the better that win will look if you can beat them at home. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, Tennessee – uh, very well coached, and victory is not assured in either one of these games. But you win those two, and then the next week, you know, I think you play your way on the bubble then, and then the next week is a chance to get on maybe the right side of the bubble because it's at Mississippi State, and then LSU comes in uh, next Saturday. You know, two and one record the next three games. Uh, that LSU game is huge. Um, you know, you get at that point, I think, if you're 2-1, and one, you get to 8-5. and five. Um, I'm sorry, 9-5. and five. Yeah, all right, it's 8-5. Uh, LSU, that's probably the season there as far as NCAA tournament goes. Beat, if you beat them, you're 9-5, and five, and then you got Georgia coming back into Colonial Life Arena at Alabama, Mississippi State at home, and at Vanderbilt. You know, and, and I think that, you know, Georgia's probably trending at a Q2, Q3 game at home. Bama's probably Q1 on the road. Mississippi State's probably Q2 at home, Q1 on the road. LSU could be Q1 regardless. And then I think you probably hope Vandy can get in position to where, you know, instead of a a two Q3 wins, um, Vandy's good enough to where if you beat them on the road, it's Q2. Uh, And they may already be. But um, that's that's just kind of how it's – it's it's shaking out, and um, you know this team's not dead yet. You know it's not. It's like Monty Python and the Quest for Holy. I'm not dead yet. Uh, I, I think that obviously, uh, you know, 
those games go Gamecocks way. Uh, the Stetson and Boston University games, and uh, I don't, I don't, I think we're kind of talking about you know these next four being a chance to sew up a, a, a berth in the NCAA tournament, you know, barring a collapse. But the Gamecocks, as it stands now, 75th in the net rankings, got to play their way onto the bubble. And a road win at Georgia tonight would, would I think, help. Those road wins really help your net. Um, at Mississippi State, you know, a week from tonight, even bigger. Uh, I want to remind everybody, Mike Morgan, co-host for the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. Uh, we, we dropped a new episode yesterday. Uh, we go into the Jordan Birch thing. He and I both had some inside information on that, so we kind of take you a little bit behind the scenes from our perspective on Jordan Birch. We talk about Mark D'Antonio. That was before Sparty hired Mel Tucker this morning uh, and how that's a tough job. If you love college football overall, uh, you'll love uh, that podcast. And Mike, you know, has a story about uh, meeting Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin, which is very interesting. So uh, if you're the game, you know, if you like college football, go check that out. The reason I mentioned that is Mike's doing play by play for the SEC network, both at Georgia and at home against Tennessee. So he's got the next two games. Mike, uh, Mike had the game at Arkansas, the Gamecocks won, and had the Kentucky game where the Gamecocks uh, won. And uh, also had uh, the loss at Tennessee. I think he had Missouri at home in Columbia, too, a couple of weeks ago. So, Mike Morgan, ladies and gentlemen, um, check that out. Uh, Gamecocks are tied for fourth in the league standings with Florida. Um, Gators play at Texas A&M tonight. Boy, they need a win. Um 8.30 tip-off for an SEC network there. Georgia, like I said, was 13th. The ESPN Power Index, which, look, numbers are great. They don't like the Gamecocks, especially basketball. Uh, they say Georgia has a 53% chance of winning tonight. The line in Vegas is 2.5. Georgia is favored. Um, so the Gamecocks are underdogs here. So, we'll, you know, it, it's a big game and a chance, like I said. You know, the next two – Big chances to play your way onto the bubble. And then the next four will determine if you're on or off. Maybe the next five because you got a Mississippi State home game in there. And then at Vandy, you know, that that that's not a game you can go afford to lose at the end of the year. But um Gamecocks have to go just have to go do it. I mean, I I the season's not over. I know it's frustrating. Um I hear a lot on the bigspur.com and on social media these days. Uh, especially in lieu of the big win over UConn on the women's side. Well, why can't the men do it? Um, why can't Frank Martin recruit like Dawn Staley? Well, it's two different things, you know, first and foremost, two different sports. And take nothing away from Dawn Staley and what she's done, but, you know, you basically hired the Michael Jordan of women's basketball to be your coach. I mean, she's Dawn Staley is one day going to be on the Mount Rushmore of women's basketball, the whole sport. Um, Frank Martin's a heck of a coach and is probably a Hall of Famer uh, when all is said and done, but it's not Dawn Staley. Uh, plus, you have some challenges with the men's game in terms of, you know, you, you had 10 years of just, like, crap during a, a time at Carolina when – Baseball was winning national titles. Football was contending for the SEC. 
women's basketball was getting built at the time. People rallied that they got better quicker. And with Frank, it just took some time. And then, unfortunately, after the Final Four, they've had the dip. And then this season's just been frustrating because there's a golden opportunity to get back to the NCAA tournament. And Gamecocks would have been clearly in, or uh, uh, trending towards clearly in, had it not been for those two losses. But, you know, you can't do anything about those losses. And there are still... Um, eight games left, and the Gamecocks could win all eight of them, or go seven and one. And then at that point, you know, you're like, well, you know, that's uh, now that's difficult to do. But it starts tonight, so I would encourage everybody who complains uh, about why can't they be this good. I mean, you know, just uh, whether you're watching on TV or talking about it or tweeting about it in a positive manner. Um, you know, pay attention to this team. I mean, this team, you know, is going to do what it does regardless. But it's a whole heck of a lot easier if you, know, you have a loud crowd that's resilient on Saturday when the Vols come to town, and especially the following Saturday when LSU comes in. Um, you know, and, and hopefully they get that. You know, I, I think the crowds for the men's men's team has, has been good this year at Colonial Life Arena. Uh, you know, especially, you know, you look at the last three games at home, Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Texas A&M, those aren't exactly the best teams in the league <laughs> coming in. Um, so, you know, Tennessee is one of the better teams in the league. You know, uh, Georgia's Georgia. You should always kind of pack it out for them. Mississippi State's coming in. LSU's coming in. Um, so I'd just encourage everybody to do that. I also want to talk about very briefly here, not briefly, because this is a subject that gets against me sometimes about recruiting and basketball. There is no doubt that when you recruit a top 40 type player in basketball, you know, that guy makes an impact. You know, very, there are busts, don't get me wrong, but very few guys bust out. You know, basketball, when you evaluate basketball, you know, you, you not only have colleges evaluating you have the NBA scouts evaluating because these guys are what 18 months away from being draft eligible the you have AAU where they play each other the good player good plays good um, it is I'm not saying it's an easier sport to evaluate I'm saying it's it's more accurate you know when you have uh, this guy's a lottery pick well yeah and most guys that are lottery picks end up you know now what they do at the NBA level is a different deal but you know you have Pretty much, you pretty much know, okay, this guy, you know, legit. After that, it's a complete crapshoot. <laughs> um, and I look and I see some complaints about, you know, South Carolina with Framework. I mean, they rank like 12th in the league in the SEC and basketball recruiting team rankings, which, which are tough to do anyway because it doesn't count transfers and all that. Um, and, and it's just, it's not like football where – and I, I think, too, my, my complaint with how fans feel about the team rankings in football is more that, you know, you sign the 18th-ranked class and you're sitting here panicking because Tennessee or somebody has, you know, a thir- the 13th-ranked class. Oh, they're so far ahead of us. They're out recruiting us. No, those are very few – you're talking about digital points there and, you know, it's not – you know, it's not a given that they're out recruiting you. You know, Clemson is. 
Georgia is. Um, but you're probably not going to recruit as well as those guys numerically, you know. Uh, and I mean, you can't beat them on the field. I mean, that's just, you know, you, you have to get close. Steve Spurrier is right about that in football. You have to get close. Basketball these days, if you look at kind of how teams are put together and the teams that make the runs in the NCAA tournament and all that, you know, there's a lot of different ways. I mean, transfers are big. Look at Texas Tech last year. Uh, Virginia even had some transfers on its team uh, and won it all. You know, Villanova is a team that, you know, under Jay Wright, you know, they recruit pretty doggone well, but they, they kind of hang out in that 30 to 40 range with their big-time play. Then they'll go find guys, team basketball, older team, you know, usually makes a run. Um, you know, and, and Auburn, I mean, Auburn numerically probably – you know, some of their guys that are ranked higher than the game or the four or five star guys, great. But, you know, who really kind of led them to the to the final four last year? You know, a couple of kids out of Georgia. So I, you know, I, I, I don't think that recruiting is, is something that you need to pound Frank Martin on when you look at the team he has this year. I mean, you've got a guy in A.J. Lawson. That's people say is a future pro. I mean, this is and that's not a debate about whether or not he needs to go pro or the season he's had or whatever. Jermaine Cousinard obviously is a great player. You know, twenty eight points, nineteen points the last couple of games has been kind of a spark for them. I think Mike Coatsar is playing his best ball. I think he's going to play pro ball somewhere, maybe overseas. Martin was talking about him. You know, NBA level. You know, and, and in basketball, you know, you don't need 10 guys. You're not going to have – and, in fact, the teams with, like, 10 McDonald's All-Americans or whatever, you notice those teams aren't the teams really getting through the tournament. I'm looking at you, Kentucky. Uh, in fact, I think this year's Kentucky team, which is not – probably not as dominant or talented as some of the previous ones with kind of how they're – Structured and the way they play, I think this could be the final four team for Calipari. So it's not all about it's in basketball. It's about getting players. It's about getting players. Now, I think there's a very valid point to be made that there have been some players to come through the program that have left quickly that weren't very good. But you're you're still talking about your twelfth or thirteenth guy. I mean. I look at the at the freshmen on this team, and you know Trey Hannibal, really good. Wildens Levesque is a freshman, is up and down, but you can kind of see the potential there. Um, that the problem is he's up and down. Jalen McCrary, same same thing. Problem is he's up and down. I mean those guys are going to be really good. Unfortunately, we're at a point with the program where you know, it's year eight, and you know. This team, not because of talent, you know, has two inexcusable losses that could keep it out of the NCAA tournament, provided they don't go on a run, which I think they're capable of doing. You know, Justin Manaya had very few offers coming out, and, and boy, they miss him right now. And, and these guys are good play. When you compare them to players around the league, these, these guys are good players. So it doesn't matter what they're ranked. It matters, you know, how they play. 
And so I sort of reject the notion that Frank Martin isn't recruiting well enough. Would it have been nice to have Devontae Shuler? Yes. Dude can shoot. <laughs> Uh, you know, would it have been nice to to have Neesmith, who was at Vandy, leading the SEC in score? I think the country in scoring before he got hurt. Yes, but that really doesn't impact. I mean, you look at Neesmith, and he was a tough loss in recruiting coming out out of the state of South Carolina. But you know. What did he do for Vandy? They, they didn't win. They haven't won an SEC game. They didn't win an SEC game. <laughs> I mean, you know, the bottom line is having the players to win. And I'll be honest, last two years, I don't think Frank had the players to win. I think that first year caught off guard by P.J. Dozier being gone uh, early caught off guard by Rakim Felder and his issues, so you don't have a point guard. You have to go grad transfer. You know, it was just tough that first year. You know, Frank Booker came in and kind of solidified some things, and the Gamecocks started playing really good defense and toward the end there, and you know, eked out a seventeen and sixteen record that, that could have been a whole lot better because there were some really close losses that were difficult. Then last year you had the horrendous start. You had tons of injuries, um, and then they turned it around and went eleven and seven in the league. And, and I'm telling you, Chris Silva obviously is an outstanding basketball player. But there were games last year the Gamecocks won within the league that Chris Silva had gotten foul trouble, was on the bench or whatever. You know that's good coaching, and that was young players sort of stepping up and doing it. Now I can't explain. I don't have like an excuse. And I'm not, I don't think any of this is an excuse. Uh, with the last two years with Frank Martin's team, it, there's no excuses. It, it just, they're just reasons. Okay? But there's no reason to lose to Boston University at home. After what you went through last year with the loss to Stony Brook killing you, um, the loss at Wyoming killing you, uh, there's no excuse to lose. And it came at a time where Gamecocks beat North Alabama, 22. They beat Wyoming by 34, getting revenge for the last year. Cleveland State by 27. You know, this first set of games, they were leaving no doubt. And I don't know what happened over the weekend of November 15th. They come back on a Tuesday and lose that game to Boston U. They struggle with Gardner-Webb and then get blown out twice or once in Cancun and then lose Northern Iowa, which would have been a big win. I don't know what happened during that stretch, but but it's it's bad. Um, and, and then you come back and you kind of bottom out against Houston, which Houston's a really good team. Uh, beat Clemson and Virginia on the road, and then the Stetson loss. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Um, and just to kind of show you, you know, how close this team is right now. I mean, this team could be top 25, you know, if, if – you don't lose to ball. Take care of business against Boston and Stetson. You know, be enthusiastic about playing those games. Um, you know, and, and then you got the one point loss at Tennessee, and then a game against Northern Iowa that you go back and forth with the whole game. You know, if they'd have been a little colder shooting in the second half, I think the Gamecocks could have won that one. That would have been a Q one. Um, you know, so that's four. So the Gamecocks would be sitting eighteen and five right now 
and seven and three in the league, which, you know, I, I, very close. So this team's very close. Um, so anyway, I, I just want to talk about that recruiting aspect of it. You know, there are some times when you can say, hey, they need better players. Yeah, and I think the last two years, uh, especially the year after the Final Four, you're like, they need better players. Uh, and I think last year, I think you look at it and you go, they need better players in certain spots and more better players. Because, you know, you had Bolden on the bench. You had um, uh, redshirting sitting out. Uh, Manaya was hurt. You know, Cousinard and his situation. I mean, there were guys, but they just weren't playing. So, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, you know, I, I think that that's perfectly fair sometimes to say that. But I also know that they have better players now. <laughs> you know, these guys are good. And um, it's just kind of one of those things where uh, kind of like Dave Odom could never beat crappy teams in the SEC in the regular season. And then he'd go and get to the semifinals or finals of the tournament and then go to the NIT and win it. You know, Frank Martin, last couple of years, has struggled with some of these non-conference games. And, you know, it, it happens in college basketball, but it's, you know, Kentucky can overcome losing to Evansville because Kentucky has a bunch of big wins, you know, in their non-conference. Um, Gamecocks have some big wins, but, you know, you need Virginia and Clemson <laughs> to step it up a little bit. You know, you need UMass to maybe step it up a little bit. You know, Wichita State's struggling right now with Greg Marshall. So, I don't know. Uh, I think that's uh, that's kind of my little spiel on hoops. Again, 6.30 Eastern time, Mike Morgan, John Sunvold on the call on the SEC Network. Uh, other games tonight, Bama at Auburn on ESPN2 at 7, and then Florida at A&M on the SEC Network after the Gamecocks play. Tony and I will be here with the Football Insider episode uh, here in about two, three hours. We're going to record that. Maybe there will be a running backs coach by then, maybe not. But for now, it's J.C. Sherbert. This has been the Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily. Have a great Wednesday, everyone. Holla at you soon.